All right, Benji, we're probably we're, we're going to start now. So just so you know, Mr. Producer Man. Is he listening downstairs? No, imagine that. Oh, right. Imagine okay. that. God, he, gonna say. he listens live and sends me notes yeah. through the phone. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the note every episode. It's like, can, just, hey, shut up. Can you sh- shut up? I've got him in my, in my ear insulting me the whole time. <laughs> that was crap what you just said. Oh, man. Have you seen Nathan for you? Yes. The, the skit where he gets a three-year-old to take him through a business. What is it? Like it's a job interview? I haven't seen that skit, but that sounds oh my amazing. God. <laughs> Nathan for you is very vibey. Yes. It's, it is kind of the comedy of our time, I think. Mm. You just can't yeah. really tell whether it's ironic or earnest and it's both at the same time. Yeah. And it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. Kind of how I feel about that all gas, no breaks a little bit as well. Yeah, the character like just him just standing there. Yeah, he's, he just he just kind of goes for that fly on the wall approach, and mm. he like he's just really good at standing there, you know, <laughs> rather than like trying to push an agenda or, or or trying to like boil an answer out of someone. He just kind of like yeah, he's this kind of guy who just like you know he's real thin and like <laughs> innocent looking, and then he just suddenly gets these situations around him. It's quite it's quite amazing. I suppose it's like play it does really play on that line of like is he being rude to these people or is it just like in the spirit of like complete transparency that he offers this to the world, you know? Yeah. Like a people safari. <laughs> it's I wonder if it's like a reaction to like the fake reality of reality shows and now we have actual reality but mm. maybe it's fake. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what we enjoy now. We're like reality's just fucking is crazy <laughs> enough, bro. We don't need to we don't need to stage things anymore. Yeah. Just yeah. put a camera on Alex Jones in a Washington DC rally. It's buzzy as fuck, that's for sure. Um hey everybody, welcome to Harco Meets Humans. Um we're just here discussing reality. We'll be here for the next hour. Um we plan to talk about uh, the universe, uh, the molecular structures of mole rats, and favorite percussion. <laughs> I don't know shit about <laughs> science, so please don't talk about science. Don't worry, no one, no, uh, no one is really going to believe that I'm going to talk about science okay. either. Though. Good. I'm here with Green Grove. Welcome, Green Grove. Thank you for having me. Is it weird, like uh, having your band name as like your name? So people just go like, "It's nice to meet you, Green Grove." Nah, not really. No, I mean, it's. I think it's nice sometimes. I don't know. It, it is kind of confusing because it's not clearly like a personal name. So maybe people get confused sometimes about whether it's a group or a solo act or whatever. But uh, I find it very the idea of putting my name, my putting a project out just under my name, quite terrifying. You know. Yeah, I was about to say, would you ever do that? I'm waiting for my magnum opus. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the thing, eh? You're like... I'll be like, Durham Finnick presents. It's funny because a lot of people, when they put their names to things, the reason they usually give is like, oh, this one just feels more like personal. Mm. That's, And that might be a bit of marketing, but um, of what would like, what would like a personal sound, what would the sound of a personal record from you sound like? Is it just like... I guess the question is that Green Grove mm. is that 
are you like intentionally crafting a certain soundscape for that and like through the process and all that stuff or is that you is this your natural creative output when you sit down yeah it's interesting it's a it's a real good question i think that's something that i've kind of like flip-flopped between throughout the project um Initially, I think it was quite personal. Uh, when I first started making it, it was music that I was making for the purpose of creation. And um, I didn't really ever think about putting it out or doing mm. anything with it. Right. And so I just wanted to kind of like experiment on a sound that I kind of had in my a kind of a concept of, of a sound I had in my head and I just started doing it. And then I think once I realized that maybe I could start actually curating a, a, a kind of sound or a vibe, it became more of an aesthetic thing. Right. But in saying that, it is definitely personal. Like it's quite, obviously like there's very minimal vocals and I'm not kind of like pouring my heart out um, through a lyrical sense, but I think that I'm kind of being, I'm trying to practice some vulnerability in the like, uh, in, how, in how soft or kind of how, um, yeah, soft and kind of careful the music is, you mm. know? I do know. Yeah, I get that sense when I listen to it. Mm. I think it's like, yeah, sonic vulnerability maybe. <laughs> Not quite ready for uh, lyrical vulnerability. Yeah, right. Is that? Is, are you contrasting that to the guitar stuff as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I mean, maybe one day Greengrove will have vocals at the forefront. It's like, I think it's just, a, again, with the kind of personal touch, it's about following what where I am emotionally and what I need to be outputting mm. you know I've always wondered like because as you say it's come from like a sonic starting point really mm. and it might go somewhere else so I I haven't personally heard anything very close to what you make mm. and I've always wondered like where where what are you listening to to kind of get these the the this like vibe and these kinds of atmospheres that you make with Green Grove. Yeah. Like where's it coming from? It's very like you're a very chill guy, so it's mm. I get that it's kind of an extension of my experiences of you as well. Mm. But yeah, just sonically, it's so it's really intriguing music, I would say. Thanks. I think uh there was maybe a time period of uh, YouTube algorithms that kind of inspired what Greengrove sound is. And um, I think it was kind of, uh, I'm gonna get this name wrong, but there's a, there's a YouTube channel called Ricardo Manana, I believe, which is a massive database of library music and a lot of it's Italian and a lot of it's from the 70s, which I feel like was a good period of time in which 
session musicians and producers would had time and money to experiment and also in which they were getting contracts to record music that sounded because you had synthesizers kind of coming into the mainstream uh they they were asked to record soundscapes or or pieces of music with synthesizers in them and and to to kind of obviously the consumer would be more interested in um those sounds you know like mm. it stands out more like um so so i think that that time period has ended up creating this really surreal feeling music that mm. um sits in between genres almost and it and it some of it is so bittersweet and so like uh honest sounding that it, it's kind of yeah again it's it's a bit surreal because it's you know you're like this sounds like too happy or this sounds too <laughs> spooky or too it's over the top and then you're like well, that's just kind of it's kind of weird it's like you know when you watch a show an episode of Tim and Eric and they're just saying the same thing over and over again you that's all it takes for something to be twisted yeah right and so there's like there's that that that's a bit of a tangent but that 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 happened for me I, I feel like at the, towards the beginning of this project which is three or four years ago now I was just kind of like oh, like just listening to music on YouTube and my the algorithm I feel like it was pre when they started using AI I don't know what it was but um the algorithm was really good and it just kind of like got me into this train of music that I found really interesting and none of it sounds like Greengroves explicitly but yeah right it kind of helped contribute to this idea of what I wanted to create and that surreal music yeah yeah because you have it's interesting because in that short space you mentioned like what I would say is quite surreal art mm. you know Tim and Eric mm. um, this library music you're talking about mm. Green Grove's output is can be quite surreal at times mm. um, and even like all gas no breaks and that kind of thing yeah yeah is that something you've uh, how I guess ha, how does that come through when you have a guitar on you like is that some is that a part of you that you didn't that you ever got to kind of indulge through guitar and guitar bands or um I think so. I think that I like when I played guitar or when I do play guitar in bands, um, I always try to think of ways to use it or to create sounds from the guitar that, that aren't kind of traditional, you know, or like how can I make this guitar sound like it's a synth or how can I make it sound like it's screaming or, you know, how can I play in a way that is strange to people or something like that? And mm. it, it, it probably doesn't always come through, but um, it is that is also something that I think about when I'm playing guitar. I like the idea of kind of like mm, making people, if they listen closely, kind of confusing them a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like it maybe it, it doesn't, it makes sense when it fits within the whole spectrum of a song, but then when you kind of tune into something, you go, "What is doing that? Or how is that? How is that sound made? Or you know?" 
Yeah, of course. Mm. We, how did you first come into the Auckland music scene and getting involved in all that? I don't think I've, I've heard any of mm. like your history of how you kind of turned up. I grew up in Orewa, um, which is like half an hour north. Um, and I, I think it was around the time when I, around when I turned 17, I found out about Bandcamp and mm. just like, was like, well, this is a cool website, you know, it seems like there's lots of music that I haven't heard before on here. And I typed in Auckland and found Bandicoot. Oh, cool. And X-Ray Fiends, I think. Right. Um, and was like, whoa, there's actually music that people make in Auckland. Like to me at the time, Auckland in my head was like a big business city. And whenever mm. I'd go in, I'd come, I'd catch the bus from Aurewa. It would take an hour each way and it would cost like 20 bucks. And I'd go to Real Groovy and that would be cool. And then I'd kind of just like run out of places to go. I'd get butter chicken from a food court <laughs> and then um, go home. And that was kind of the extent of it for me. I just didn't, I guess I just didn't know that there was other stuff going on. And then through a friend of mine, I met one of my good friends now, um, Sophia Lola Dorma, who was playing, she played drums in a band called Girlfriends. Okay. And they were like a three-piece punk band and... She started basically introducing us to shows. Um, there was an all-ages venue called Snake Pit on High Street. Okay. That I would go to before I was 18. And that was a very inspiring time for me. Um, and I suppose from there I basically got inspired to move into the city after I finished high school. Um, and decided that I wanted to do music for a little while because that was what I was really into at the time. Yeah. Um, now I fucking hate music. It sucks. <laughs> 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 nah. Um, yeah, so it was kind of like this this cool uh, development of meeting new friend and them showing me all the stuff that was going on because they had already been living in the city and playing in bands. And Yeah, right. Um. Yes, and there was a cool at the time, you know, when I was eight, seventeen, eighteen. There was like, there was the there was Snake Pit. There was um, some people would put on house parties still. I feel in Central Auckland, and bands would play there, and um, yeah, it was really inspiring. Does it me. feel like a, a different time to now? I don't know. It's hard to say. I like it's either it's a different time. Or I'm just old and I don't go to the same places that I, or get invited to the things that I was getting invited to when I was. Yeah, and you're 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 quite central to, uh, you know, backroom and mm. and whammy as well. Yeah, so like you do, out of that spend a lot of your time, out of necessity there as well. Yeah. So yeah. what 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 was your, like introduction to being on stage and making music like in Auckland? What what, what were you doing? Um. I was trying to think about. I was living on a flat in a flat on East Street, um, and I was living with 
uh, Oscar Dowling and we, no, sorry, I was living on Dominion Road with some friends and I knew this, I knew Oscar Dowling through uh, high school friends and he played guitar and wrote music and so we started hanging out and we slowly started jamming and writing songs and to uh, decided we were going to make a band and um, we started trying to find bass player and a drummer and we got my we ended up getting my friend Sophia who I was talking about before yeah. I, the first person I met in Auckland um, to play drums and uh, Dave Weir to play bass and we started a band that was originally called Small Boys um, and we ended up changing our name to New Gum San and that was kind of the the creation of my experiences of playing live. Wait, so New, New Gum San was your first band you were in? Yeah. And I mean, I was in a band when I was uh, 12. Right, yeah. We yeah. were called SOS. Okay, sick. <laughs> we had a song called Pineapple Tree. Done. <laughs> <laughs> it was sick. And we did two Green Day covers. Yeah, dude, you got to do Green Day covers. I know. Which era Green Day though? American Idiot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't cool enough to know. I hadn't listened to Dookie yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was into <clears throat> ACDC. So when I was in primary school, the guys from sports who were from, who were from Timur as well, we had two bands at our primary school and um, their Jamie, the drummer from sports' mm. band, they would play... Green Day songs and Blink-182 songs. Sick. And my band played ACDC songs. Whoa. It was dope. I was bass playing and singing. Was it, was it all good between you two? Did yeah, you it was a, awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talked to I was kind of hoping there was a bit of a rivalry. No, no, the yeah. ACDC band. I kind of wish there would have been. Yeah. That would have made it a lot more fun. I don't – and Tim Aru, I think you just got to make up. Totally, get along. Yeah. It's not yeah. really – it's like, oh, you're the four other people who like <laughs> music? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Um that's so that's crazy because um I remember loving that new Gamsan album. And it really but it kind of it had the feeling of it had the feeling of like a really um established songwriters and units, you know what I mean? In a sure. sense. Yeah. Okay. Um which is really cool. Like mm. do you still get uh comments from about the New Gamsan album or anything like that? Not like, really, no. Occasionally someone will talk to me about it, but not often at all. It's um, it's a long time ago now. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's funny because it kind of is. I don't really remember it as being that long. Ago. Yeah, yeah. No, you really think this year has just destroyed the concept of time. Yeah, really, yeah. it's all gone. Yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, I loved, I loved that album, man. That was a great. I there's definitely a circle of my friends that spent a lot of time listening to that and cool. and driving around. It was kind of one of those. Because, you know, we, I only moved to Auckland. We moved to Auckland maybe like four or five years ago. Right. Maybe four years ago. Yeah. So it's kind of still like, oh, what's, what's the, what are Auckland bands? And what's, mm. Like there was still the thing that the rest of the country does have about Auckland sometimes. It's like, oh, the Auckland, if it's from Auckland, it's somehow different or yeah. which is just totally yeah. not the case. Yeah. Um, but we still definitely had a bit of that as well. Yeah. Which was really nice. Yeah. And then we turned up and saw the Nine Eye Express. Hell like, yeah. Full band. Yeah. Prime, Robert Bruce. Like, yeah. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. I love the 99 Express. Bring back the 99 Express. Scott, if you're listening to this. Scott, we love you. We love you. <laughs> it was great. Uh, that, it forever upsets me that there wasn't a, there's, there wasn't a robust enough 
New Zealand media, music media apparatus to capture some of that magic and for our, at least archival things, like mm. at least like a live, you know, for, be able to watch a whole live 9A concert because they yeah. were a live band. Like I really like the recordings, but yeah. holy shit, seeing them yeah. Yeah. full bore was I incredible. remember seeing them at King's Arms and Mark Peterson was mixing and just like, reverbed out the drums massively and it was just the strongest strongest shit I'd ever seen eh? it was so beautiful so like pure and to me captures like the perfect essence of New Zealand and like in yeah. the best way yeah. not not in a like oh, New Zealand way like it's, it's a pretty uplifting New Zealand feel I think so earnest yeah and I I do I, I really love that quality about it. In fact, mm. that Scott is just singing about, you know, Kara's book. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and traits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so beautiful. Um, it's funny because, you know, we we arrived and they were playing and it was, you know, obviously we just, all right, what's on at Whammy this weekend? Mm. Um, it's such a, there's a lot that's been said about how central like Whammy and Backroom and, Tom and learn it like the whole mm. thing is um, probably not enough still though for how much it's really done and mm. how much incredible shit mm. like the fact that some some young guys like us can turn up and be like we know to go there and we're gonna mm. see good music and meet people like yourself and totally how, how does it how, uh, I've always wanted to know like do uh, the, that sense of community is that a really nice being a part of that crew, it must be very grounding. It must be like, how, how do you feel having like a physical space that you can kind of, that you spend a lot of time in, sure. Yeah, but. I think it's I think it's been amazing for me um, personally over the last, I've been there five years now, been wow. working in either wine cellar, whammy or backroom in the last five years and it's allowed me to grow and um, really kind of like nurture whatever creative projects I've I've felt like doing at the time, you know, it has been a really like supportive space for that. All of the people that I've ever worked with in terms of um, whether it's Rowan Evans or Tom Anderson or Lucy McRae have always been super supportive of, of whatever the staff are doing, you know, and they're not people that are like in it for money they're just in it to support a community of people that need somewhere to play and yeah. and so yeah it's it's been it's been really special for me to be able to be part of it and um have somewhere that i feel like um is a second home you know um it's it's definitely like an interesting way to approach music i think uh kind of like fully involving yourself with a music venue it's mm -hmm. it's a very like deep dive into um the whole experience you know it's um a lot of kind of late nights and like very strange sleeping cycle and yeah if you can if you can make that work for you it's it's great and i have made it work for the last five years or so but it's um yeah it's pretty special. I feel very thankful to have been able to work there for so long. 
Yeah. I mean, I I relate to that. Like that's why I ended up not being like, oh, I don't really want to do the live band thing for a while. Mm. And kind of like still haven't got back to us. Just those those late nights mm. in the same kind of rooms. Mm. You know, I just wanted to go to bed early. Yeah. And kind of feel nice in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's nothing, that's not the, not because I didn't like what I was doing at nighttime. Mm. It's just the fact that it was just so late. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, whole lifestyle. Yeah. You really have to look after yourself, like, you know, in the capacity of working at a bar, it's very easy to like, treat yourself badly and and I think that I've managed to survive for this long by kind of being conscious of how how I sleep and how I eat and and how much I drink and that sort of thing and you know obviously I'm not the most healthy person but um I feel like I've made it work for sure yeah right and I mean it's not to be understated because you guys would like <clears throat> there's many times where the whole uh, bar staff is serving drinks one minute and then everyone's camped off the bar onto stage <laughs> to play the set yeah, yeah. with the with the band and then yeah. you're you're off stage packed up and back to serving drinks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's hectic. That's crazy. Still man. on the clock though while you're playing. <laughs> so you get paid for working the bar while you're playing and then hopefully you get paid for the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. See that's a business model and a half yeah, my friend. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> and um when did you when did you like start slipping into the sound role? Like, uh, yeah. I went, I, I went to Maine's and did a um, certificate in audio engineering. Awesome. Um, that was kind of towards the end of New Gum Sundays. I was like, we'd been playing different venues and I started kind of getting interested in the, after we recorded the album, I was interested in that whole process and, and I thought, oh, it's, I really like getting a good tone out of my guitar and I'm quite interested in that and what if I'm actually quite interested in all the rest of it and I, and I, so I went to Maine's and did that. And um, while I was at Maine's, Tom Anderson was a tutor there who mm. also was, he had taken over ownership of Whammy. So he was my boss at Whammy while I was working the bar and also my tutor at uh, Maine's. Nice. And so towards the end of the course, I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I know some sound stuff now. How about I do some some sound shifts and he's like yeah totally and he kind of like you know helped me get onto the desk and taught me a few things because we didn't really learn much live sound in that course and um so there's some it's a different field for sure but um yeah he kind of helped with that um transition and then yeah I've been doing that for kind of two years or so and I think it's been a yeah it's been a nice process I'm Glad to be off the bar, to be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't like confrontation and drunk people are very confrontational. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I much prefer working at a cafe now than yeah. I do. Like <laughs> tired people are far more fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. More, you know, especially when I've, I wake up at 5 a.m. with energy, I'm already awake. So yeah. it's, it's good to fuck with people. Yeah. But it's hard to fuck with drunk people because they're usually oblivious to yeah, everything totally, that's going on. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, does the I've always wondered like when you do the live sound stuff does that do, do, does does the listening or the like attention to that help with the production 
like paying attention to sound so much in the mm. live settings, does that ever inform or help like in production when you're actually making stuff on your own? Or is it just like completely It is quite apples different. And oranges? It is, is quite different, but I think that subconsciously it probably affects me in the way that I like... I mean, this isn't subconscious. I'm being bullshit. I, I, <laughs> I, I definitely get to watch and mix a lot of very cool acts mm. and inspiration will come from that. You know, I'll see someone that I know doing something with a keyboard or whatever and I'll go, well, that's a really cool thing to do. Like, how about I try something similar at home or, or, a, or a tone that I hear that someone's using and I'm interested in recreating that at home uh, but but as far as the actual kind of technical as side of it goes, it's not super translatable. Yeah, it's um obviously there's fundamentals that I I use when I'm at home, but but the kind of technical side is a bit different when it's live. Yeah, right. When you're when you're doing your production stuff, you we were saying before, um, talking about your in depth uh, breakdown of Mog's house mm. with, with Zach and Son Return. Mm. Shout out Zach. Shout out Zach. <coughs> What's the thing when you're producing that like if no one interrupted you and you didn't have a deadline that you would just like sink yourself? Like the like where do you naturally go to and you could fucking do forever and ever in production? Do you mean like style-wise or like like I mean it very broadly. What, right. what if you sit if you sat down and there's no <laughs> deadline and there's no fucking nothing and no one's going to interrupt you like what are you going to get lost in the weeds on the most? I reckon I could just make like four hour long ambient tracks. Right. Like if I was if I was in the mood and no one was interrupting me, blah blah blah. I would just straight up like just sit there like playing one chord on my synth, like changing some of the parameters on the synthesizer to hear how it changes and then recording it and then being like, that's cool. I'm going to put another layer on that. Nice. And then put another layer on that and another one. It's like ambient music's very fun to make, I think. Um, That was something that I I actually kind of had to quite consciously not do in the recording of of Isthmus was... Mm -hmm not to layer a hundred tracks over the top of each other, you know? Because yeah. you could do that with ambient music, but I really wanted to limit myself and do the less is more approach. Does that become a bit of a nightmare when you're mixing it with all those layers or is it actually quite easy to handle? Well, it was fine because I didn't do it on the on of Isthmus. No mixing, just... Well, I just... Oh, I no, mean, no, sorry, like you didn't layer it. I right, didn't right, layer right. it, yeah. But I, it did in the recording of... Uh, Machine Music, which is the album before, um, is my second album, sorry. Um, it did get a bit tiresome. Like I, you know, I had drum tracks, I had four or five synth tracks, I had percussion, I had, you know, I'd have like, I wouldn't have a hundred tracks, but I'd have quite a few. For, for, for me anyway, I'd have mm. 20 tracks or something like that. Um, and it did become a bit of a nightmare, so I did end up going to get to sit in with an engineer to help uh, finish off the mixing on that part. But you just completely were like, "Fuck that! Not doing yeah. that this time." Otherwise, that album would have never come out. Yeah, I just right. Was sitting there listening to it, going, "This just sounds horrible. I hate every song." <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like two days in the studio with this 
brilliant engineer Tom Healy uh, just changed it. Like, yeah, he I'd done all the like kind of boring legwork, and then he just went, "Oh, this is how we can make it sound more alive and more dynamic." And he just kind of like did some some very small clever changes, and then it was a whole different album, pretty much. Oh, awesome! Mm. And so the latest album. Was that all from? I remember bumping into you before the first lockdown, and you were heading out mm. um, to the countryside. Mm. Is the is the, all this music from that kind of space? It's not all recorded there. Uh, some of it is, but I was house sitting for my auntie at the very start of this year, mm. um, and some of it I recorded at her house. I set up a little studio there, um, and then so it was kind of half finished when I had was leaving my auntie's house and then I f- went into the first lockdown and I went up north to Whangaruru um, and finished it there. It was quite, it was great actually. Like it's so nice. I feel like a lot of creatives were having, had that pressure in the, f- in the lockdowns to like f- do all their projects or like finish yeah. stuff. Or, but for me it was like really easy because I had done all the ground, all the leg work and I just had to kind of like, put the finishing touches on a bunch of tracks so it wasn't like grueling trying to like extract the diamonds out of my keyboard or whatever it was just like here's a bunch of sounds put them together and mix it and then it's done so I I kind of had quite an enjoyable time doing that in that first lockdown yeah I felt like a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to start something that they were going to finish in mm, lockdown but totally. they, st- they were like well I've got four weeks and I'm an ambitious creative yeah. and <laughs> and like that's um yeah and then just ending up feeling like why am I not doing it yeah because like you're in a fucking you're stuck at home yeah it's not a not a experiencing massive existential dread <laughs> exactly and and also not experiencing anything novel or fun because yeah. you're or in your house you live in all the time totally you're not yeah. you're not meeting anyone new you're not fucking it's not fair and yeah, our dumb creative brains are like, I'm going to use this time to make a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I totally agree because I was, I count myself really lucky as well because I had the two days stuff. Yeah, right. That was already planned to be coming out mm. and um, is pretty online based really. It was going to be a bit more, there was going to be some physical stuff happening, but you just kind of let that shit go. But yeah. Um, it was essentially a project that had already been designed and mm. set up and it was just, I got to kind of finish and guide it mm. for the month and that made it really easy and yeah. really fun. That was really fun to be part of actually. Yeah, you enjoyed it? Yeah, that was that, that track was all written up north. In yeah. Tangaruru. That was fun. That was a cool project. Two days is a cool idea. I tell you, it's very selfish because it's like, for me personally, because all I'm doing is really providing a deadline yeah. <laughs> to musicians who I know can, can do it, do everything except sometimes just give themselves a deadline. Totally. It's an important thing to do. Yeah. So I give a deadline and then after 48 hours, I get like 20 new tracks that <laughs> only I get to listen yeah, to yeah. from artists I really like. Yeah. So it's a very good trade on my, on my behalf. But yeah. So yeah, I was really, really lucky with that. I don't know what I would have done. I think in, I think I tried to, I had some, grand play in the background of doing something new and that and then first week it just fell off and I was like cool at least I've got this other thing to finish and I don't just feel like shit about myself for not accomplishing (laughs) anything god so neurotic it is creatives eh? yeah 
<laughs> do you? Uh, I've never never asked you this, but do you? Is there another avenue of art that you like messing around with other than music? Because um, you do some photography stuff sometimes. I take photos. <laughs> That's yeah. Well, I've, we're allowed to call ourselves photographers now. If we just press the button once. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a one of those Muji like MJU Olympus cameras, and it does everything for me. Yes, it just sick. makes everything look real beautiful. So I just take photos of stuff I like, and then it looks nice because of that camera. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I like honestly don't really practice any other mediums. I, I I would really like to, but I've often found it quite overwhelming to, I think it's a combination of factors. I think it's like, A, I feel accomplished at music. So if I'm not as good as I am at music, then I get frustrated straight away. And B, I find that maybe whatever I do is not as, conceptual or as uh, intellectual as maybe I think is the standard. Right. So when it comes to like painting or doing digital work or I, I don't know, I'd like to do more of that stuff, but I really just don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I do, I do like skate and I surf <laughs> and I feel like those are creative in their own ways. And they're like physical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you, is that, is that part of your whole looking after yourself thing as well? Yeah, it really is. Like when I don't do it, it's, I notice it's so hard out and I hate it because it's just like, why am I so sad all the time? Yeah. Right. It's like, it's because I haven't, looked after my body <laughs> yeah like connected the brain with the yeah i mean obviously that's not the one thing that i'm sad about but like it does it does really help when i get out and go into the water just being in the water is like really important for me and skating i find less so because i hurt myself all the time when i do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but number one is being in the water like that i've just there's something very special about being in the water to me did you grow up yeah grew up on a beach yeah. yeah right um and it's just, yeah, I think it's very grounding. I think it's, um, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I was talking to my therapist about this not so long ago and he was, we were talking about dissociating basically. And one of the things that he said to me was go down to the beach and take your shoes off and stand in the sand. And often that can help with people that find that they're kind of disconnected from reality. And that was kind of when I made the realization that I had this connection with being at the beach and the water and how much it did ground me. Mm. And I had not, at the time I hadn't been to the beach in a very long time. And I kind of was like, ah. Oh. And like next time I went, I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and then the next time I went, I was like, ah. Oh. Right. This makes me feel really good. And I don't really know what it is. Maybe it's a connection to home. Maybe it's being outside. Maybe it's because I'm being physical and there's endorphins. But whatever it is, maybe it's a spiritual thing. Whatever it is, it, it makes me feel good. Yeah. And I think I need it semi-regularly. Uh, what beaches are good as a beach person? <laughs> 
Uh, I really love Piha. Um, I really love Anafata. Um, there's some secret spots which I want yeah, to tell you about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sick, sick, sick. Come to me in person if you're listening and you want to know. Um, I love the West Coast. I grew up on the East Coast and it's very chill there. Window home is really cool. Um, but I really like the West Coast. It's right. like a lot more expensive it's and wild out wild, there. Yeah. There's nothing because I'm from the South Island, so mm. we're we're lake people down there. Yeah. We're not we're not ocean people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so beaches are still they're cool. Well, <laughs> you know, but I was just like, that's not a lake. Get into it. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I think it was going to Piha. Mm. And I kind of got it. I was like, oh, this is the whole other vibe. Like yeah. this is wild and mm. really, you know, when you get that sense of nature sometimes when, because I think, well, speaking for myself, um, nature is something that's kind of curated and controlled when you grow up. Yeah. Like, you know, I grew up in a town, but even in cities and shit. And really mm. when you're looking at, gardens even the gardens have been designed yeah. and planted and all those things and i you know we don't have any we don't have much natural bushland mm. down south that's easily accessible not like it is up here yeah um, and even then it's still been like curated by agriculture and in, mm. in, in a few ways but i think heading to pihar and actually being out there and being on the beach the first time i was like was one of those moments of yeah. like holy shit like yeah this fucking power here yeah totally i totally get that do you, yeah. do you do like, do you do like walks? Do you do, is it mainly the ocean is the like natural thing you're, you're into? It's mainly the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like to do walks, but I'm like not a tramper. Camping. I love camping. Yeah. It's funny. Like it's in, indie boys. Mm. And I, and I mean that inclusively anyone can be an indie boy. Yeah. Uh, tend to either, be like subtly into camping or like really hard no camping. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I've, I've flopped between the two. I'd yeah, yeah, yeah. be like, Fuck, I fucking hate camping. <laughs> this camping shit. And then I think you just, I think you get somewhere nice and actually a little bit more wholesome with some friends. You're like, you know what camping is actually? I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of people relate camping to like waking up hungover in a boiling hot tent, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that is not camping. No. That is being hungover in a tent. Like that's horrible. Yeah. And I hate that too. But if you can like pitch your tent up under some trees in a nice spot with some friends, it's great. That's beautiful. There's some amazing campgrounds out there. Would you be good at surviving? Do you have survival skills? Nah, see that's where I fall off I fall right. off a bit. See, I've got I've got some friends from when I grew up who are like I'd be clinging to them in the apocalypse, which is happening soon. Um yeah. they are the ones that I would be clinging to and I'd be like, I can be the I'll give you massages or I'll like make your dinner for you. You know, like I can cook half decent, but fuck, I don't know how to survive. You're like me, would be the barterers of an yeah. apocalypse. Like yeah. just to get through night one. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> fuck, who am I attaching myself to and what can I give them? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I love all that. You know, I love being outside. I love doing nature, but I'm not a very practical person. And uh, when it comes to surviving, I don't think I'd be very good at it. No. I, I like to think that a lot of people, even who think that they would be good at that, really, mm. we're so divorced from how anything in our lives actually work. 
Yeah. Couldn't really put anything together. Just assume it would keep working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the lights, the power goes out yeah, for a night. Yeah. You're like, fuck, where are the candles? How do I cook my food? <laughs> How do I make fire? Bro, it's nuts. Oh, it's funny. It's because obviously I didn't know about um, kind of the appreciation of nature that you have and all that. Mm. Um, I suppose there's little hints of it through like even your press photo for mm. the most recent stuff. And, but now that, now that I know that I can, it kind of does put your green grove music in a little bit more of a nice, uh, like a, a different light in mm. a sense. Like it, I can kind of see the organicness of mm. it and the, almost like the, um, I, I really, when you was talking about the ocean, I really thought of like the, 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 the waves coming in and out, mm. and that's that. But it's that constant rumble. So you're like yeah. camping. It just kind of like goes. Yeah. And that, that, that for me, that's a kind of a, a same sensation I get from listening to some of your like more meditative mm. tracks. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Cool. I'd like I'd like for that to be the response. That's great. Yeah, I think it's um, especially with this latest album, it's definitely like an or, an organic kind of meditative approach to whatever the green grove spectrum is um and 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 i think you know having the isthmus being the central point of this album because a it was created in auckland Makoto, and then b it was finished in Fangaruru, which is also situated on an isthmus mm. being surrounded by the sea and like by nature like does impact the way that I create, especially when I choose to create something that's like ambient music. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you found that you got that response from it. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's why I love, that's why I love doing this and like sitting down and talking to people and why I like having on only people that I'm actually interested in and fans of, of of their stuff because because of exactly that like mm. i get to most of these i walk away from i get to go and listen to the music from the person or from mm. the from the people and i do it's that's do hear it in a new way which mm. is really really nice mm. it's funny like i always struggle with because now that i'm making electronic stuff mm. um very unin intentionally like I'm not I'm not I'm just kind of sitting down and making whatever yeah. without much intention behind it still mm. um but one of the thing I, I do constantly think about is 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 how to make electronic music that feels like physical or feels like you can connect to it or feels like actually organic because yeah. I don't like I love electronic music but when I'm making it I, I don't like feeling so disconnected from anything actually real a lot of the time right um, and part of that is probably why I'm not doing any of it live because I don't, yeah. I don't, the music already feels disconnected. And then when I'm on stage or in bars, I don't, it doesn't feel very natural to me. It doesn't feel right. good. Yeah. Um, do you have like a, is, is there a kind of perfect setting or context for you to perform a Green Grove set or music? I think definitely. Definitely with the new material, um, I would much prefer to play it outside in the daytime mm. or 
in the nighttime or just outside. I don't I don't think I would like to play it at a venue. I, I have played it at venues and it's worked and, and it's been enjoyable, but ideally I'd like to do it in kind of less conventional spaces, I mm. think. Um, I'd like to put the m- music out into the world and see how it interacted with the space it was put in, mm. you know? Um, because I feel like it is quite minimal. I think that putting it out into a different space would kind of like allow room for the music to, or for the, for the space to impart its own uh, sonic element into the music, you know? Yeah. Because it's just, parts of it are just droning synths. If it was set in an amphitheater, there would be res- different resonant frequencies that would change, you know? And so, uh, like, ideally, I'd love to be able to fill up an amphitheater of, like, <laughs> a natural amphitheater or something just, like, with some sp- speakers and play that. But, yeah, we can all dream. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but what's what's in the way... Because there are no outdoor venues and there aren't very many outdoor gigs mm. that happen like what's what's kind of standing in our way nothing really that i know of i don't know maybe it's i feel like they used to happen i feel like you know you used to have summer in square and bfm used to do stuff in albert park and i feel like there was some shows at the base of mount eden in the past it's definitely the wrong time to be trying to do any new shows at the moment you yeah but if it's going to be a new show having one outside is probably the easiest sell of all time yeah that's true hey we're gonna we're gonna congregate outside not inside Mm. um because that you know that does why i ask it was important to ask you is because your music is in a different contextual space to a lot of other people's music Mm. and so i felt like you'd have a good view on the idea that maybe the presentation of music kind of has quite a limited context a lot of the time. There aren't that many options mm. for people to present their music in live. Yeah. And th- just like how we can fucking do something about that. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I, and I imagine that's probably something that you have an issue with, with doing Harco stuff. Like even more as, as a consumer. Right. I like, I, I would want to see you outside. Yeah. Right. I think it's a population thing. I think that a lot of our problems when it comes to like music in New Zealand is is a population thing. People that are wanting to do stuff that's outside of, well, that's not as easily sold or you know, you can't sell lots of tickets to, uh, can't really do anything other than play at a small venue, which is, you know, a blessing and a curse, you know, it creates some amazing music, but it also inhibits people from maybe trying something new, you mm. know? There's definitely another thing in the way of trying something new for yeah. sure. Yeah. Cause but, the, yeah, the whole, the whole fucking, I think that's what I've kept coming up. Uh, people talking about is that, they'll have their own perspective on what's making it difficult to start things or making it riskier at the moment. Mm. But there are heaps of little things and they are actually all true. Like 
that cost of living. Yeah. Um, the like strict noise rules. Mm. It, it all does add up into kind of stagnation a little bit. Totally. Yeah. Stagnation and it, and it yeah and it just limits kind of like what your perception of what you could achieve is. You know, like maybe I want to do start a new band what's it going to sound like oh it's going to sound like this and you can like straight away you have this really like formed concept of it because it's like your situation dictates what it's going to sound like you know yeah um which is i guess something that i've been trying to go against with green grove is just kind of like allowing myself to kind of just make stuff that's dictated by my emotions and my and my headspace rather than my physical setting yeah right um but you do limit yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've i i think kanye is the only one who doesn't limit himself and and of the human species probably (laughs) truly (laughs) and uh that doesn't always have the best results so (laughs) sometimes it has great results i will tell you i listened to his whole joe rogan podcast because I was driving to Lee to go see Soaked Oats uh, yeah. and hang out with those guys and Harley Unclear. Mm. And it's like, it was the perfect length from Auckland, like first half there, mm. then driving back at midnight last uh, yeah. half, which was a whole nother vibe. Yeah. Driving home in the dark with Kanye just fucking going off. Yeah. And for some reason, Joe Rogan asking him about actually specific policy things he would do if he was president. I'm like, here's, oh. here's a thought about this. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> of course joe rogan would do that though you know <laughs> he's trying to make him look like a fool it was the funniest thing and it was unhinged but it's also i think inspiring i'm always inspired by kanye yeah totally um, but just because of exactly that i think he doesn't he refuses to put limits even yeah. when maybe he should yeah on what he can do i think yeah. as new zealanders that's quite a relevant um thing for us i totally, think totally yeah <laughs> um Where's, where's, so Greengrove is just an expression. Do you have any ambitions with that expression or is it just really quite, like we said, that personal thing for yourself? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, my ambitions with it are to continue to create stuff that I'm proud of at some point uh, and to continue to grow in my creative outlet. I think anything aside from those two kind of baseline points is a bonus. Right. My ambitions around it are, I think at this time, quite selfish. And I just hope that the fact that like, maybe I'm kind of basic that like it's marketable to like at least some people. <laughs> How does that feel? Is that, is that what you say to Zach? Just like, well, I'm kind of basic, so I'm really hoping that people, other basic people. Yeah, that was my pitch to him. <laughs> Yo, Zach, want to work with me? Uh, I'm basic. Oh, I did like that he said that Sun Return was a home for people uh, interested in, in exploring interesting sounds. Mm, yeah. Because there isn't, there really is no one else for me personally and. Auckland and New Zealand who does that more than you. So I think that made a lot of sense <laughs> I mean, to me. 
Baby Zionov, have you listened to that? I haven't yet, uh, but I've, oh I've, my I've, God. I've seen. I've, um, did they do a track with Emma Malia as Amelia? As yeah, well? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard one of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that release is so good. Um, that is some amazing music. It, it, actually, the whole Sun Return. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm stoked that Zach has started doing this and has continued to do this. Um, I think at the start, it was kind of a bit more loose. He didn't quite know what to expect from Sun Return and, and now he's kind of figuring out as he goes along what the label is and, and it's just watching it grow is amazing and he's just like so nice to work with. Um, so creatively freeing because he has, he's not, it's not a commercial project for him and so he's just about kind of bridging that gap like what kind of what like what we were talking about before how there's those, those little hard steps along the way mm. for for people wanting to do stuff like music he kind of understands what those steps are and just puts a bridge across them and and just kind of shows he he opens the door he's like here here it is just put it out there i'll i'll smooth it over you know yeah just make your stuff i like your stuff just do it and it's like to me, that is the most ideal situation, you know, like because I, I can just make music and I send it to him, and if he likes it, it works, you know. Uh, people like that are so important. In I the, know. In the scene, it's like very important. Like I keep saying, like musicians are kind of like the low-hanging fruit creatives. Like we just kind of, mm. it's kind of, we're 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 mostly neurotic and mm. and actually not that super. We're a bit all over the place in general. Yeah. And so it's the, it, it's, we really need people like Zach. Yeah. Um, even like Matt Crawley and like, and, and Tom and Whammy and like, those people yeah. just could like act as connectors and door yeah. openers and cause we yeah. fucking, we don't know what's up. We can hardly even like. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> we, we spend all, we just want to make music, man. Yeah. Like fucking, no, I'm so dictated by my emotions, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, especially if it's like a creative project, that's like, I'm just so like such a baby, you know, I can, and I, it's like, it comes to the end of making an album and I'm like, that's it. I got no more energy. I'm done. Is that how you know it's done? That's the only other thing I want to ask you is like, how, is it harder to know with the, with more ambient music when something's actually done? I think it is. It's a little bit harder. I think it's, it comes down to the methodology that you use when you're creating the music, I think. Okay. Um, it's like, I find it, I found it quite hard at the start, but then when, once I kind of set a few guidelines up for myself, I, I started to figure out when a track was done with mm. quotation marks. Yeah, right. Um, just stuff like... <laughs> As simple as like t turning my head away from the computer and listening to it without looking at the Ableton mm. session. Yeah. Or like putting it on somewhere else in a different setting that's not the studio or just going by feel, like listening to it. And when you're kind of like, I have this, I don't know, when I feel like something needs to change, I put a change in. Or when I feel like need, something needs to stop, I just put a stop in and then I hope again that I'm basic enough that it translates to how other people would feel when they're listening to it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, 
Basic is a bad word to be using. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> it's it's the basic word to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you heard that story about Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Vile with all his like extended outros? In uh, a lot of his songs, the, the same riff will just carry on. Right. Maybe for like three or four minutes. Yeah. And he, I saw in an interview with him, he was like, yeah, it's just when I get into that last part, the outro goes for as long as my head keeps bobbing. <laughs> He's like, and if my head stops bobbing, then that's the end of the outro. And right. I'm like, brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> I feel like, like I, I really love Stevie Wonder and he has a lot of songs where he like has this amazing chorus and he'll like go to a third chorus at the end and then just keep going with the chorus and the track will fade out. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, so into it and then other times I'll be in a bad mood or whatever and I'll be like at the third chorus I'm like fucking hell <laughs> he just keeps going but then it fades out and I'm like yes yeah and it's like I can't tell if it was Stevie just loves it and keeps rocking it's a similar situation he's like bobbing his head or if the engineer was like all right Stevie yeah yeah, yeah. someone to- else is like <laughs> <laughs> he's been going for an hour yeah I, yeah I think we should really cut this out um do you get green groove a lot I don't. Because, fuck, I wear your T-shirt all the time, obviously. Yeah. At, um, and especially at the cafe. People are like, oh, Green Groove? <laughs> the fuck? It doesn't... You can't, it's not oh, that hard to please. read. Shout out Jesse Mulligan also for wearing Oh, it. yeah. Shout that out was Jesse. dope. There's the greenest Green Grove T-shirt ever. That fucking Photoshop new, they put on there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. If, he, like, if he's into it, I'm stoked. That's great. Yeah, Shout out to you, Jesse. Yeah, he seems like he's got his finger on the pulse. Mm, um, indie dad. Yes, well, he comes and gets coffees and the kids are everywhere because there's a few of them. Yeah, it looks like it. He's got a lot to worry about. And then doing doing his job as well. I'm just like, bro, hectic. I am lazy as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just... (laughs) Uh, Do you have any plugs? Any plugs? Yeah, it's plug time. It's plug time. All right. Uh, I guess, first of all, listen to my new album of Isthmus. Please, if you can afford to, buy it because I'm pretty broke. It's a hard time. Buy it on Bandcamp? Buy it on Bandcamp. It's also on all the streaming services, so you can stream it there if you like. Um, plugs, listen to all the artists on Sun Return. They're all amazing. Uh, shout outs to Whammy Bar, Whammy Backroom, Wine Cellar. Shout outs to Hako. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout outs to my partner, Olive. Very supportive. Um, Shout outs to my kitten Tilly. Oh, Tilly is extremely cute, by the so way. So cute. So <laughs> so cute and so annoying. So um, annoying? Yeah. But in the best way. Uh plugs. What else? Shout outs to uh Fish Tacos. Bruh. <laughs> Shout outs to my friends for taking me out on their boat the other day. Man, I could go on forever. How long do you want me to go? For? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seem very, you have a lot of gratitude I do. in your I'm life right now. I'm a very thankful guy. Yeah. I'm actually in a really good place at the moment and I'm just so thankful for everything. Oh, that's, that's a wonderfully uh, human note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, let's, I want to, can we, we got to try and make an outdoor gig yeah, happen just so let's I can do it. get you. Somewhere where there's like trees and sun. I want to find a natural amphitheater. Okay. I think let's do that. All right, we can we'll do that. Just put a show on. Well, we'll get. We'll, we just need to get Zach involved, and he'll just he'll be that beautiful us. human <laughs> and just actually do all the practical shit you and I can't <laughs> fucking do. 
Yeah, I'm putting on this gig that's sick. Yeah, <laughs> so you're putting on a show, right? <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, new episodes every Sunday. Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that. Hey, thanks, Derek. <laughs>